investigative journalism, the evening news at 6 p.m. And don't miss La Raza Chronicles and that fabulous collective at 7 following the evening news. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Somebody just handed me a piece of paper on which I see I have free tickets to give away. Now, that's rare for me. I just feel so benevolent here to be able to give away something that isn't mine, right? Anyway, it's a play over at the... uh, Oh, oh dear, where is it? It's Zellerbach. Zellerbach Playhouse, November the 19th, that's a Thursday, November the 19th. Okay, what is it? It's a play called The Walworth Farce. It comes from the Druid Theatre Company. This is the Druid Ireland Theatre Company. Founded in 1975, a pioneer of the modern cultural development of Ireland. They're back in Berkeley by popular demand and they are going to perform Enda Walsh's Tender and Visceral, The Walworth Farce, commissioned and first performed in 2006. Now, the blurb here says that Walsh is one of today's most innovative and thrilling playwrights. Productions of his works at the Edinburgh Festival won three Fringe First Awards. In this brilliant gothic comedy, Walsh has outdone himself with a new play more complex, dark, and emotionally rich than any of his previous efforts. A theatrical experience that claws at the imagination for days afterwards. That is a quote from Variety. Now, I have not seen this play, so I cannot tell you what to think, except that uh, ah, these are very expensive tickets. Let's see. The Walworth Farce by Enda Walsh. This is playing over at Cal in Zellerbach Playhouse, uh, 8 o'clock in the evening, One night only, Thursday, November 19th at 8 p.m. So, I think what I should do is I should just be completely reckless and say that the first person who calls in and gives their name and address to Noel can have the tickets. Now, you know the on-air phone number here. It's 848-4425. Just tell Noel, say, listen, I want those tickets to the play the Walworth Farce at Zellerbach, November 19th, and she will take your name. You get two seats. Okay, I've done my duty. I feel like I 
Yes, it's like uh, being Lady Bountiful, giving out presents. <laughs> I, had, oh, I had so many things today that my mind just sort of, my mind just sort of spun out of control. I couldn't help when I was leaving the house. I heard on the radio, our dear president is going to go to Texas and go over there to Fort Hood and try to talk to the families of these people. Oh, oh, God, if I hear one more pundit opining about the chickens coming home to roost or words to that effect. They don't actually, nobody's actually said that that I've heard. They're basically trying to say something intelligent when, of course, there's nothing to be said except that this whole thing is metastasized. Uh, talk about, talk about global, <laughs> global madness, terrorism, whatever. Um, what is that? Uh, the wargasm is in every, uh, every place you go. I, I don't think there's much to be said. I think we should wait a while and see. Um, obviously, uh, we'll have more madness. Uh, that isn't the end of it. Um, just seems to be blossoming everywhere. I thought I would begin today just... Just for my own sake, I thought I would go back in history and read you something from Gertrude Stein because I was reading Gertrude Stein's lovely little stories and essays about the the soldiers, the GIs that came over to Europe after World War II. She's so happy with them, so cheerful, and they're so much fun, and and they just tell all these silly stories, and she has something called Brucey and Willie, and there are these kind of goofy guys. Uh, <laughs> and I thought of all the young men there at uh, Fort Hood in Texas, and how they're not really the sort of soldier boys that I grew up with. Well, maybe they never were, but the image I had of uh, young G.I.s was something entirely different. Here it is. Uh, Brucey and Willie, Gertrude Stein, Chapter 3. Mm-hmm. She's talking about, are we isolationists or are we isolated? And he goes on, Brucey, he says, are we efficient or are we slow? That is the question. Are we efficient or are we slow? And so we are very quick to make up for being slow. Oh, dear me, said Brucey. And do we like the German girls best because we are virgins and they do all the work? <gasps> you get the hell out of here, Brucey. I am no virgin. I never was a virgin. I never will be a virgin. No, said Brucey. No, you never were a virgin. Well, then, you don't know the difference. Perhaps you still are a virgin. Joe is another guy. That sounds funny, Brucey. That's not the way you talk, Brucey. What's the matter with you, Brucey? Brucey says, oh, I don't know. I feel kind of funny. It's true. Over half the ETO are virgins. Footnote here, ETO must be European Theater of Operations, right. Half the ETO are virgins. They are, they are, and that's why they like the German girls. I get so mad, I just have to say it. I get so mad. Willie says, well, I get mad too if you say I'm a virgin. Well, Willie, perhaps you are. 
Brucey is right. A whole lot of the army are virgins. I don't say they can't, but they don't. And that's the reason they got to have so many pinups and German girls. Yes, sometimes I guess Brucey is right. You just bellow, Willie. You just bellow. And Brucey's just foggy. Ah, I never say it, but I know a lot of us is just virgins. You get the hell out of here, Joe. This goes on <laughs> for pages and pages. God bless Gertrude. Uh, okay, yes. Uh, let me read a little bit more of Gertrude. Uh, uh, it used to be fine, said Willie, before the war, when we used to believe what the newspapers and the magazines said. We used to believe them when we read them. And now, when it's us they write about, we know it's lies. Just lies. Just bunches of lies. And if it's just bunches of lies, what we going to read when we get home? Answer me that, Brucey. Answer me that. Oh, Gertrude Stein. I don't know what I would do without Gertrude Stein to cheer me up. And these guys go on a lot about a couple of Red Cross nurses. That's a little scandalous. I don't know. <laughs> Let me jump to the end of this little section on Brucey and Willie. This is uh, Essays of Gertrude Stein. It's in a collection called Writings and Lectures, 1909 to 1945. It's an old Penguin book. You can find it if you just keep looking under Gertrude Stein, writings, essays, lectures. It's in all the used book source. This is the end. It says, two Americans. That's what Gertrude Stein says to the G.I.s. G.I.s and G.I.s and G.I.s, they have made me come all over patriotic. I was always patriotic. I was always, in my way, a Civil War veteran. But in between, there were other things. But now there are no other things. And I am sure that this particular moment in our history is more important than anything since the Civil War. We are there where we have to have to fight a spiritual pioneer fight. Or we will go poor as England and other industrial countries have gone poor. And don't think that communism or socialism will save you. You just have to find a new way. You have to find out how you can go ahead without running away with yourselves. You have to learn to produce without exhausting your country's wealth. You have to learn to be individual and not just mass job workers. You have to get courage enough to know what you feel and not just all be yes or no men. But you have to really learn to express complication. Go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. <laughs> I pause here now for a small parenthesis. You see where I got my lead in line that I've been using for 20 years now. It is, of course, Gertrude Stein's line, go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Remember the Depression. Don't be afraid to look it in the face and find out the reason why. 
don't be afraid of the reason why. If you don't find out the reason why, you'll go poor. And my God, how I would hate to have my native land go poor. Find out the reason why. Look facts in the face. Not just what they all say, the leaders, but every darn one of you, so that a government by the people for the people shall not perish from the face of the earth. It won't. Somebody else will do it if we lie down on the job. But of all things, don't stop. Find out the reason why of the depression. Find it out, each and every one of you, and then look the facts in the face. We are Americans. Amy, I will have time later to read you some of her wonderful essays on money. <laughs> yes, it's always very easy to get rid of the rich. It's not so easy to get rid of the poor, she says. <laughs> Okay, anyway, I think I'll save the stuff about money for another day. I am so fond of Gertrude, and I'm so angry this week because of all of the the current nonsense, the current madness. Oh, I get so angry because, of course, what Gertrude wrote is still true today, but that was back in the late 1940s. A long, long time ago. And now we have all these new problems and all these new depressions. Uh, let's see. What else did I want to read to you? First and foremost, I don't want to leave anything out right. Uh, I had an essay that I put on the Thursday morning show. It was all about Helen Thomas and... I probably shouldn't repeat any of that stuff, but if you get a chance this week, try to listen to the lecture by Helen Thomas. It's on the Commonwealth um, Club lecture. You know it's on one of the other radio stations. Helen Thomas said the same things Gertrude did, but she's a little angrier, and she says that these times are the worst times. Uh Yes, not since the Civil War. Anyway, she said they asked her who was the worst president. She said the last one. <laughs> That's right. No excuse for him. Had a good family, she said. Anyway, I couldn't help how, uh, how well, she tried to explain why we swing right and then left. And she talked about, uh, well, you know how it is. Carter had to clean up after Nixon and Alan Thomas said that Nixon was at least a human being uh, the night before he quit you remember he had to resign she says she passed him out there on the, the lawn somewhere and Richard Nixon said to Helen Thomas pray for me <laughs> narcissistic all of them anyway she seems to feel that the assault on Bill Clinton was utterly ruthless and uh, same goes for what's happening today of course with Bill Clinton you know it was that hillbilly thing Hillary and Billy Clinton they were just these Arkansas rednecks you know how dare they after 12 years of a Republican White House the uh, backlash was furious but then of course 
Now we have Brother Barack. Uh, I'm so old I can remember when Barbara Bush was calling Geraldine Ferraro uh, rhymes with witch, she said. <laughs> she didn't like that Democratic woman, right? I remember uh, George Herbert Bush, his anima rose when he had to debate with Geraldine Ferraro, debating with a woman. Imagine one-on-one, imagine not being able to condescend to the female. Anyway, uh, George Herbert Bush gets a better press these days because of the contrast with his son, but he himself pulled a few fast ones anyway. You remember Newt Gingrich used the same word, the uh, rhymes with which word. For Hillary Clinton, um, our own Amy Goodman suggested to Newt Gingrich that he should apologize to the First Lady. Uh, <laughs> she made the news. My favorite is still the guy who was running the uh, uh, the National Christian Conference. Uh, he um, said that Washington was not Sodom and Gomorrah. It was Rodham and Gomorrah. Anyway, uh, oh, they were fun times, but today's crowd, uh, Helen Thomas said that our president, that Barack Obama, has got to understand that these people, the Republican right, is not going to help him. Her suggestion, well, she basically said, no more, Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, She used the word coward. I wish she hadn't use that word because I'm one of those people who thinks that it is very high-minded of the president to try to make peace, to reach out to his political opponents. But uh, Helen Thomas said that the bipartisan poison is worse than it ever has been in her time. Ten presidents she's been through. She she said that... uh, Yes, uh, she used the word hate several times. She said it was just palpable. I guess uh, perhaps it's because we do not have an adequate enemy without. I don't know what it's all about. I just think back into history and I wonder why it is that our nation is going the way it is going. Uh The dominant paradigm does seem to be uh, bloody antagonism there at the top. Uh, I had assumed, like so many goofy uh, World War II Americans, that uh, the dream of becoming a post-Enlightenment state, that illusion, you know, that we were all slouching towards sort of if not socialism, at least some kind of notion of shared fate, uh, that we would become a truly revolutionary nation, uh, something new under uh, the sun, the country that welcomes everyone, that finds a way to make peace. All ethnicities, all religions, even atheists, even secular humanists, even artists. (laughs) James Baldwin wrote a novel, all oh, hundred years ago, titled Another Country. That's a good try. I remember putting it on a shelf and saying, okay, now they're going to write um, about the Creole nation. The black women writers began to write these wonderful books, and I thought, you know, uh, the Eurocentric stuff 
can stay on the shelf. It's, you know, there's room for everyone. Uh, but we will have this world without borders. We will just keep adding more and more riches. Uh, and we won't be always competing with each other for first place. Of course, that hasn't happened. Uh, I don't, I still don't believe that we are in the worst of times. I just don't think you can measure um, the possibility still lives that we will have this Creole society that I dreamt of. Uh, maybe we will have them both at once, simultaneously. Uh, <laughs> this week, I tried to cheer myself up with the cable TV reruns of Monty Python's Flying Circus. The actors were being interviewed, you know, in between reruns of Monty Python and the Holy Grail and the life of Brian. And someone uh, asked Michael Palin, what was his greatest regret in life? <laughs> Michael Palin is one of the Python actors. He said he wished he'd been born a man. Don't we all? Yes, indeed. I, I noticed... I haven't seen The Life of Brian for years and years. Uh, they cut the opening scenes. It is, of course, a send-up of The Life of Christ. And there was a great hoo-ah when it first came out because people thought it was uh, anti-religious or something. Anyway, in The Life of Brian, there is a scene, uh, supposedly the, the birth of Christ. And uh, uh, fortunately, of course, they, uh, they follow the life of another chap called Brian, you see, so that they can't be accused of being... Uh, the Antichrist and uh, the the uh, the three kings, you know, arrive with the presents and everything. And the line, if I recall correctly from the original production, the line is, "Sorry, wrong manger." And I think, I think perhaps the um, uh, the new version cut that scene. Perhaps the the uh, Christian influence well who knows maybe it was just a slightly different version of the life of brian uh making the world safe for satire is always uh, the first step in the direction of democracy if not a step well then a hop and a skip and a jump i am uh one of those who thinks that if you can laugh you probably will survive uh let's see in my fury this morning, uh, listening to all this nonsense. Uh, oh, I can't read these sad things. I just can't read them anymore. Uh, I found these poems by Edna St. Vincent Millay about uh, the end of man. <laughs> I'll read one. I'll read one. Just one. This is called Apostrophe to Man on Reflecting that the World is Ready to Go to War Again. <laughs> this is written, of course, in the 1930s when we were all getting set for World War II. Edna Malay, Edna St. Vincent Malay writes, Detestable race, continue to expunge yourself, die out, breed faster, crowd, encroach, sing hymns, build bombing airplanes, make speeches, unveil statues, issue bonds, parade. 
convert again into explosives, the bewildered ammonia and the distracted cellulose. Convert again into putrescent matter, drawing flies, the hopeful bodies of the young. Exhort, pray, pull long faces, be earnest, be all but overcome, be photographed. Confer. Perfect your formulae, commercialize bacteria harmful to human tissue. Put death on the market, breed, crowd, encroach, expand, expunge yourself, die out. Homo called sapiens. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, we will get our turn, God knows. I, I suppose it is naive to expect uh, statesmanship here in the 21st century. <laughs> I, uh, I can't help, uh, I can't help believing that, uh, you know, things will Things will change suddenly. We'll get this health care bill through and then everything will be fine and we can, you know, go state by state and year by year we'll make things better. And people like me can write letters about the abortion issue. The whole notion, as Helen Thomas says, that we would deny medicine to our people, of course, makes me think that we are not just barbarous, but monstrous. Uh, the stuff I have here on the abortion issue, I guess I should save, spend at least a half an hour on it soon. I I don't know what else can be done except more wringing of the hands, more writing of letters. And yes, as my mother used to say, write a letter to the Times, dear. That'll help. Uh, I want to thank people for the letters that I get. I just uh, I was going to... Well, I haven't answered as many as I should. Uh, I have one here from San Francisco, and I won't use the name because I don't have permission. But um, the letter says that I imagine most people either love you or hate you, but I can't decide. <laughs> anyway, it says I find I'm curious to see what you're going to be talking about. Uh, uh, yes. The type of thing that annoys me is your and every other woman's adoration of sex symbols like Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. <laughs> I imagine the entire KPFA staff, while posing as progressives, are actually Democrats. Now that, my friends, that is worthy of Gertrude Stein. Uh, I'll bet you there are any number of Democrats in this building. I can see them from where I sit. Anyway, this letter goes on to say that he he has enjoyed. <laughs> I heard a Democrat call out from the other room. I'm not a Democrat. Independent? No, more radical than that. Give me the party. I'll join it. Green party? No, red party. Red. Okay, we got a socialist in the house. That's good, that's good. Uh, what have I got here? I was looking here. Oh, yeah. This this guy, it's actually the letters from a guy. He says he's interested in, oh, the stuff that I wrote about the Beat Generation around 1960. Yes. Aha. Dharma bombs. Jack Kerouac. I do have those books, kind friend. I will write a letter to this guy and uh, send him... 
some of my memoirs. Yes, I have a book called Telegraph Avenue Then, and I have another one, uh, several books. Uh, actually, I have four titles still in my closet. Um, I will send a letter off and tell this guy about... Um, the 1960s for me it was even the 50s my gosh can you imagine kicking around in the 50s i have to get off the air i'll be back on these airwaves thursday morning at um 8 20 i'll be off next tuesday because there's a fundraising marathon from national pacifica so I'll be back on Thursday mornings, the next two Thursday mornings, and then two weeks from today. Till then, as Gertrude Stein says, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. This has been Jennifer Stone. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. of Unitarian Universalist presents The Life and Times of Woody Guthrie, an Ordinary Extraordinary Man, as performed by Country Joe McDonald. Saturday, November 21st, 7 p.m., 1924 Cedar at Bonita in Berkeley. The event is wheelchair accessible. Information, www.bfuu.org or to purchase tickets in advance, brown paper tickets, call 510-495-5132. This is a benefit for the California Coalition for Women Prisoners. I saw below